Hello, I'm Sarah Vine and this is Sarah Vine's Female Half Hour from Mel Plus. I'm joined this week and every week by my friend. Yes. I emphasise that and co-host Imogen Edwards-Jones. And the reason I say friend, friend, yes, friend. is because September is friendship month. Hurrah. And so this issue is going to be a special friendship issue. We're going to be talking to a, a relationship expert about how to be a good friend and the problems people commonly encounter in their friendships. And we'll also be talking to the CEO of an organisation dedicated to helping people find friends. So imagine my friend. Mm. You're one of my greatest friends. Mm. And I think if I had to explain why, it's because you are supportive no matter what. (laughs) And I have to say, I have tested your friendship Somewhat comprehensively well, no, uh, um, throughout the years. I think the political arena tested our friendship. It did, more yes. More than anything it else. It did, yes. Yes, I mean, that was quite difficult for you, actually, that whole Brexit the whole, Yes, thing. because I lost all, most of, of my you, friends. Of I'd friends, say probably yeah. 60% of my mm. friends. And that old saying that when the thing that is not nice hits the fan, mm. you find out who your friends are. And I have to say that is something that I have experienced extremely firsthand. Yes. And also some people that you don't think your friends turn out to be your friends. Yeah, that's often quite interesting though, isn't quite it? Quite interesting. Yes, I think when it's push comes to shove, yeah. it's quite interesting who you And people you thought were just line. jolly acquaintances actually double down mm. and they really show themselves mm. to be gold mm. when you didn't really quite realise that. Well, and some then, people are better when you're... When yes. you're miserable and when That's you're true. jolly, they don't want to see no. you at all. <laughs> <laughs> and then some people who you think are really good friends turn out to be unutterably rubbish. Yes. Mm. Anyway, you were not one of the unutterably rubbish. Oh, well, thank you very much. Um, we have known each other for a very long yes. time. You were my bridesmaid. I was indeed. You yes. made me wear an awful pink dress. You hated it, I know. It was pink, Imogen. <laughs> I know, I, it was pink. It was dusty pink. It's not it's my dusty best colour. Pink. And, my, and um, it had puffed sleeves, which <laughs> which brilliantly emphasised my little fatty upper arms, just so brilliantly. They had sequins on them, though. Well, yes, yeah, so that they were also fat and emphasised by the puff, <laughs> and then also shiny, which was also, great. Also, what was terrible was my sister turned up and forgot her bra, so she's got she hates all the photographs of her with her rather saggy bosom. But the worst part was that the other bridesmaid was Claudia Winkleman, who is of course thin as a pin, yes, and does beautiful. not have fat upper arms, and looked absolutely marvellous in her dress. Well, she looked marvellous in a handkerchief, to be <laughs> honest. Looked, yes, but we met at work. Yes, we did. I was a sub-editor when you yes. were uh, writing a column for the Mail on Sunday many years ago. Yes. And you were very funny and I used to really enjoy it because quite a lot of the other people writing their articles were quite dumb. They were mostly middle-aged drunken not. men. Yes. If you remember. So my job was to correct all your spelling mistakes, which I have to say were many. <laughs> and frequent. Yes. Yes. Completely, in a, no total, grammar. Total inability to use punctuation. No, nothing. It was yeah. a stream of consciousness <laughs> rubbish. <laughs> But then we became very good friends and we did drift apart a little bit when we had children mm. in the way that I think women do. But then after that, we had... Well, mainly because I couldn't have any, if you remember. No, and so you were very cross with me because I did. <laughs> yes, I know. I remember that. It was <laughs> very thought, angry. Very basey because I popped out two children mm. with basically without... But I was sitting rocking, injecting myself with hormones on a daily basis. So I'm entitled to be mad because I did go mad. You were very cross. But anyway, after we got over that, we then became very firm friends, mainly because both of our husbands were always somewhere else. And so we started this thing called Sofa. Sofa. Which was basically where you would come around to my house and sit on my sofa and complain about your husband. And Mm. then I would come around to your house and sit on your sofa and complain about my husband. Mm. And it got so out of hand. (laughs) That my husband then said to me in a very, very sort of liberal-faced look. He said, I just want to ask you one question. I said, what? In a cross voice, he went, are you and Sarah having an affair? (laughs) (laughs) 
price point. I said, no. He did look slightly disappointed, actually, because it might have jollied up his life a bit. Might have done. But I love the idea that if a man's wife has a friend, he automatically assumes (laughs) it's to do with sex. I know. No, it wasn't. It was to do with Pinot Grigio. And the fact that we were lit. I mean, I don't know. We were never. I mean, they were never home either. They were too busy conquering the world and and just doing stuff. Anyway, enough about us. Mm. On to our first guest, Sharice Cook, the relationship expert who's taken therapy to Instagram and who allows her audience to set the agenda. Sharice joins us now. Thank you, Sharice. I was looking at your Instagram earlier. You've got hun- over 100,000 followers. I know, very popular. And your Instagram is full of really useful stuff about basically how not to be an idiot in your relationship. Um, <laughs> I mean, we're talking this week about friendship. Most of your stuff is about kind of relationships. Uh, relationships. Mm. I suppose well, a friendship is a relationship, yes. but it's about kind of amorous mm. relationships. But the areas are the same, really, aren't they? Absolutely. I mean, more and more, I'm seeing a lot of the issues that we would stereotypically consider to be in the romantic realm actually applying to our friendships Mm. more and more. So these are key relationships, friendships. So it does make sense. I mean, they're not as always as intense as a romantic relationship, are they? I oh, mean, I don't know. Oh, sorry. I think I might have just upset my friend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but the thing I would say about friendships is that they tend to last longer. I mean, Imogen mm. has outlasted several boyfriends and a husband. I have to, yes. <laughs> that is absolutely yeah. true, yes. Yes, we've been married longer. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is a sort of long-term, serious relationship. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, that's what friendships are. Yes. That's right. So what are the differences, would you say? I mean, why is it that it's so much easier to have a friend for 35 mm. years than it is to be married, married. for 35 <laughs> years? Yes. I mean, it is interesting because I'll often say to my couple clients to be bringing in some of the really good stuff that we give to our friendships. Because, for example, I think that we are much more forgiving Mm. and accepting of our friends than we are of our partners, where we can nitpick and get annoyed and get irritated very, very easily. Our friends, there's a grander love at play. You know, we're very generous-hearted. We're very generous-spirited. And so that's why I think friendships do last, because there is less frustration and upset that we allow to come out into Do you think that's because we have different expectations of our friends? Definitely. I mean, some of us have very high expectations of our friends, Mm. and that's what I'm seeing in my practice more and more are issues with friends Mm. that need to be resolved and people want to talk about them. And there are sometimes these intense friendship situations that can emerge. Are there any sort of stages of friendship? Because I think Sarah and I have been friends for 35 years. So we Longer, went... actually. Shh, don't tell everyone that. Which means really old. That means we're really so old. young. What's impossible? Shh, shh, that's really embarrassing. Shush. 12 years. We've no, been no, friends you're for right. 12, 12 years. 12 years. 12 years. But it's, we've been through various sort of stages. So right. there's the intense friendship of sort of youth. Mm. And then you have the sort of parenting years where if you've got children and other commitments, you can't be as good a friend as you want to be. And then as your children move away, you get a different type of friendship. And I wondered if there was any sort of technical term for any of those things or or whether you see that in long-term friendships. Mm. If, and how well it's understood and studied yeah. because, like I said, everything seems to always focus on, on romantic relationships, but actually some of the most important ones in your life are the friends, you know, for years. And our support network and our friendships are, of course, so crucial mm. to us, aren't they? They are part of our lives and they are what see us through mm. in the long term. 
But more and more, there is getting more and more data um, around friendships. So what you are describing is right. You know, when we are younger, we have a lot more time, mm. let's face it, to invest in friendships. And the data shows that we are not only having friends, but we are making new friends right up to the age of about 25. Okay, yeah. And then after 25, we are methodically losing friends. Mm. We aren't making new friends and we're losing the friends that we have already made. Mm -hmm. So there's the sort of stage of great friendship, if you like. There's a quantity aspect to friendship. Mm. And then as we get older, lives do become more complicated. We have many more responsibilities and obligations. And if those aren't the same as your friends, this is when we can grow apart from one another. Mm. So you two are describing having gone through friendship and career and maybe raising families. And if those sort of other things that are happening at the same time, that helps our friendships. Because what I'm seeing is, is it's that when different life events are taking place, mm. it can take us in different directions. And then the friendship suffers because we, we don't understand each other. And we don't understand what each other are going mm. through. But I think also teenagers or sort of 20 somethings, mm. I mean, they, the idea of beef which my daughter's always yeah. talking about. I've got beef with so-and-so. I mean, the, yeah. the whole idea of beef is quite entertaining for somebody of my age. But I think also the sort of the intensity of the things that make people upset or cross mm. or whatever are totally different. I mean... Yes, you borrowed my favourite skirt and then yes, got something on it and yes. now you're no longer my friend. Yes, forever. Forever. Yes. You're never coming to my birthday party ever again. <laughs> Like, okay, I mean, that's always a relief, isn't it? To yeah. sort of move away from the drama. Yeah. Yes. Well, it's always a relief not to have to go to a party, I think. But well, yes, that is that's true. That's a different thing. <laughs> <laughs> but there have been, I mean, there are seismic events in people's lives which will change their friendship groups mm. because yeah. politics, mm. divorce. Yes. Divorce moving. is quite interesting, actually, yeah. because people... People pick sides, they are, don't they're, they? They're not supposed to, but they do eventually just mm. pick sides. Mm. I mean, how does that affect your friendship groups do you think i think it really does because friendship groups in particular are about the group so it's for the benefit of the group mm. so uh, life and humans where we are messy and we make errors and, and things go wrong so if we divorce or someone's done something wrong in a relationship then yes people will take sides mm. and then there's also this kind of thing that I think is very prevalent in our world today, which is this idea of everyone having an opinion. Mm. And, you know, when our friends have strong opinions about us, our lives, our marriages, our child rearing, our careers, that can really complicate friendships. And I think that's when maybe some adult beef can kind of happen mm. because what we really want, and I think what, what allows relationships to endure, friendships to endure in the long term, is a real empathy and a sensitivity mm. to one another, that there isn't this sort of sense of judgment and this sort of approval or disapproval. And when things happen like divorce, mm. that's when those can raise their heads mm. and, it, and it doesn't help friendships. Friendships but, can fragment. But I don't know if Sarah found this, but I, when you got divorced, but where, there's a sort of weird thing of when somebody upsets the apple cart, mm. of somebody who's brave enough to to suddenly say, I've had enough of this, I'm doing something else, whether other people suddenly feel threatened by their Yeah, marriage. I found that a lot of my, not you, yeah. but some of my friends who were also in unhappy marriages mm. suddenly didn't want to sort of be around me because I think I'd done the thing that they secretly wanted mm. to do but wouldn't do. It's quite interesting, yeah. that sort of sense of judgmentalism that, mm. that applies. As we get older, there's definitely a move away from a sort of group mentality mm. to 
we are more focused on ourselves and our individual lives. When we're younger, there's a bit of a gang and you do everything together and there's all this niceness. But as we get older, there is much more focus on ourselves and our individual lives. Mm. And people can either join us on that journey or not. And I think there's definitely, like all relationships, there's either you grow together Mm. or you grow apart. Mm. And so depending on what you're going through in your life, if your friends can grow with you and support you and and help you through it, that's what's really going to solidify friendship. Yes, and I think sometimes it's very difficult when the friendship dynamic changes. Yes. Because sometimes, because there's always a sort of certain dynamic in a friendship, someone's, you know, the popular one or the less popular one or whatever. Mm. And then if that changes, that can cause huge Mm. problems. And money, the idea of somebody suddenly go earning yeah. a lot more money than somebody yeah. else, I think, or uh, or the other way around. It's very different to the idea that you can go to a restaurant mm. and pay for a nice dinner, but mm. I don't have the money for mm. all that. So therefore, that's sort of the iniquity of that is quite interesting as well. I mean, the whole of life really is about navigating change. Mm. And as we progress in life and as things are happening, change is constantly happening to us. And how we deal with that within our friendships can be very revealing because, as you say, careers take off or careers can mm. take a nosedive. Horrendous things can happen in families. You know, people choose not to have families and remain single. Other people are moving out of cities and starting new lives. There is a huge amount of change. And I think that can put a huge pressure on friendship that used to be quite fun and fancy free. And now suddenly, quite big things are being asked of us in terms of supporting our friends in their lives who are perhaps further away or going through difficult times. And that's when, you know, people can fade away because we just can't do that with too many people. And and is it okay to divorce a friend if they really annoy you? (laughs) How do you go about doing that? I mean, this is You can ghost me if you want to. No, no, not you. (laughs) Not you. (laughs) But sometimes, I mean, mean, sometimes there are friends that I've had who literally never call me. Mm. I only ever call them. Mm. They only call me when they need something. Mm. And I'm just like... I don't really know what the point of view is anymore. This is a question. Should, should you, you divorce uh, your friend? friend? Yes, should you? At what point do you think is enough is enough? Well, I think it is important because we don't have time for everyone in our lives. And we certainly don't have time for people who are perhaps unsupportive or absent or not our cup of tea anymore or, or who are embodying mm. things that we don't want or like. You know, as a therapist, I put a lot of emphasis on creating the life that we want and who we invite into our life matters Mm. because it's going to impact our emotional health, it's going to impact the way we live and it's going to impact the quality of our lives. So I think there is a time and a place for divorcing a friend but I don't know if it is necessary. It's much cheaper than actually divorcing a a, a (laughs) husband or a wife. The other thing I wanted to ask you about is there's really really weird friendships and for me they're always the school gate friendships <gasps> so these are people that you have to be friends with mm. because for some unknown reason your child who really ought to know better has decided Likes their child. that their child is their best friend yes how do you navigate something yes. like that it's so difficult well I think you know what you're talking about there is that you're talking about seasonal friendship mm. you know oh, okay. there are seasons in our life there are phases in our life you know it's the same with work colleagues mm. You know, sometimes we're sort of friends with people that we would never in any other circumstance mm. be friends. But, you know, we need we need friends. And I think that's sort of interesting to me because as social animals, we need friends. We need friends at the school gates. Mm. We need friends at, at work. We need friends, you know, that are friends with our partners or, or whatever. So actually there's a, 
there's a socializing aspect to this that we don't always take into consideration. It isn't a bit people that we just like or that we enjoy being with or, you know, we love. Mm. It's people who we need in our lives. And I think embracing seasonal friendships helps with that. We are all going to have the schoolgate friends and then we'll have the karate friends and then we'll have the sort of, you know, bookshop friends sort of later. Yeah, but on then you order. end up going on holiday with the schoolgate friends and that's not oh. fun at all because then you're stuck in a villa with them. And then you discover that they all drink seven pints of tequila before they go to bed at night and all do wife swapping, which is what happened to me on one occasion. Which <gasps> Actual wife swapping? Very strange. Wow. Yes. Oh, Sarah, I haven't heard that story. <laughs> oh my word. Okay. That sounds great. Um, yes, it was quite weird. Do you think women are better at friends than men? Statistically, without question, women are better. Mm. Women have longer friendships. They have more meaningful friendships. And they do have genuinely supportive networks. And why do you think that Me is? Is it because they're less competitive naturally? Or is it? Or do we naturally form groups because we're supposed to be bringing up children in a tribe? Is there mm. some sort of ingrained thing going on? Yeah. I'm afraid so. It, it is very biological. Mm. You know, as women, we know we need other women. Mm. And so there are no blocks for us to that. We know we should be in a village somewhere, all raising our children together, harvesting the crops and being together. You know, that is literally in our DNA. Men are and can be much more solitary because they need to go out and spend days, weeks searching for food. On their own, they might lose, you know, um, a friend in the wild very easily, you know, because they've been killed mm. or whatever. So it is a very different emotional landscape. And also because they're all competing to get their sperm into the ladies. <laughs> isn't that right? Yeah, there's sort of... Oh, I love you. There isn't the same, isn't the same necessity for other men than there is women with other women, yeah. for sure. Yeah. And there is a competitive element mm. to that. And then there's all the social stuff around men you know, being emotionally disconnected from themselves and not communicating and not talking about things that matter. So they can lead quite disconnected lives in our mm. modern society as, as a result. And that is a big, big problem. Mm. And so what about loneliness when you're older? You were talking about you, we all sort of collect our friends at the age of 25 and then slowly discard them through the rest of our lives. It's supposed to be one of the most impactful things, isn't it? Being alone yeah. when you're old. It's one of the few things that really indicate sort of personal decline, isn't mm. it? Definitely, definitely. And I suppose it, it, it makes a case, doesn't it, for us to be thinking about us just chucking friends that maybe we don't mm. like or who annoy us, you know, even at our age now, we're probably quite friend rich, mm. which is very, very fortunate. But as we get older, and then people do, they start to die, not only do they move away and do other things, but people start to die, don't they? And it's kind of, suddenly our pot gets smaller and, and smaller. So there is something about being really intentional about staying in contact mm. with people because the level of loneliness and disconnection that we feel as we get older really is a major, major problem. And with all the, the health issues that come with age, other people is really crucial. So friendship needs to be valued. Don't worry, more. I'll push you around in your bath chair. <laughs> <laughs> Can you ever be friends with someone of a totally different generation? Because I think I have a really good friendship with my daughter. Yes. But maybe I'm just deluding myself. <laughs> well, you'll have a friendship, won't yes. you? <laughs> well, I hope you have a friendship with your daughter. Well, I mean, most women my age don't get on with their children, right? do they? I mean, you know, they can, they have arguments and they slam doors. But that doesn't happen with us. Right. We basically like the same things, which is to watch telly, drink rosé, watch what we do in the shadows. Eat some crisps. And talk about, you know, <laughs> Molly May and all this stuff. It's quite fun. It's quite interesting. But so that those intergenerational friendships, are they 
yeah. good for us? Are they? I think that's wonderful because, you know, birds of a feather flock together mm. and all of that, which, and there are positive aspects to that, but there are also very negative aspects to that, isn't there? Mm. Because we, we're in our bubbles and we're in our own little frame of reference and we're in a bit of a vacuum if we're not careful. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's useful to know what different generations are thinking and you can only mm. really do that if you make friends with them. Mm. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely. I am a big advocate and I will say to friends and family and clients sort of, keep up or be left behind mm. and the only way that we can keep up is by having as wide a range of connections and friendships as we possibly can because they're going to be educating us yeah about the the future world that we are going to be inhabiting so i love that you know and you know there may not be the same friendships that we have with people our own age who we understand who we perhaps go to but they are friendships nonetheless and they are just as nurturing and just as nourishing because they're showing us you know, the world as it is becoming mm. and, and, and we can stay plugged into that. I think Have your what... questions changed on your Instagram? The things that are worrying people, have they changed over the last couple of years? Are they different from how they were before? I think there's definitely more complexity to our relationships now. And there's a lot of stuff around friendship and around relationships where there's more openness about experimenting and so these sort of multiple relationships that we have are definitely creating a more permissive and interesting world but it's putting pressure on the friendships and the relationships that we already have and that's the other thing about people changing sometimes we want to have a new group of friends or do new things with um, other other partners and if the people already in our life aren't game for that then it can create confusion and then a disconnect. And can I ask you also, because you do a lot of stuff online, obviously, is there a different value to an online friendship than there is to a real world friendship? You know, can you really be friends with someone that you've never met? That is a great question. And I will just share from my own experience that I would never have thought that was the case. Mm. But my experience of developing relationships with people online is that they can be an extremely rewarding, enjoyable friendship mm. and connection. And actually, our world, and it sounds awful to say this, but our world more and more and more is becoming about convenience. Mm. And, if, and if in our phone, if we can just connect with friends, and I've got a lot of friends in South Africa in uh, Cape Town, and I love being able to connect with them very quickly, send mm. them a message, send them a photo, tell them I love them. I'm so grateful for the ability to do that because if it was dependent, or me having time to sort of meet up with people and go to dinner and have parties and sort of see people. I mean, I just wouldn't see anyone because there's just not enough time. So I think more and more couples are meeting online, mm. carving out relationships, more and more long distance relationships are taking place and more and more friendships are happening online, even if it's just playing games together online from different locations. So I think there's something interesting there. Online is going to be in our future when it, when it, when it comes to our lives and certainly our friendship. Yeah, no, it's very, I think it is. I think you're right. I know people who have really good friendships with people they've never met because yeah. they live in California. Mm. But they consider themselves to be extremely close and properly friends. But I always think you just put your game face on when you're doing that. Do you? So maybe you just get the best of you. Maybe. Maybe there's something about that. Maybe there's just you're sort of filtering the whole time so you're able to project. Yeah. You, you're, you're projecting an avatar effectively. Yes. You're not, they're not seeing. Yeah, so if they really knew who how awful I was, they wouldn't be my yes, friend. Well, yes, exactly. If you, the way you pick your toes and your teeth at the same time. That would be just something. If they could smell me, that would be the end of it. 
But I mean, humanity is changing in that respect, isn't it? And friendship, which I think is a really interesting sort of evolutionary concept, just from a sort of, mm. you know, just the idea that humans are just incredibly sociable animals and always have been. This is a new phase in that development of society. It really, really is. And I, I think something that we all need to recognize and define more clearly for ourselves, perhaps, is A, the kind of friend that we are, mm. and B, the kind of friend that we want. Mm. Because some people want, you know, quite low maintenance friendships, let's have some fun, let's do this, and or let's travel, or whatever it is. And then other people want, you know, really close and important connections where you see each other through significant life events. And I think friendship can encompass all of that. It's just a different Mm. kind of a friendship. And what about the toxic friendship? Because, for example... Oh, the friend of me. (laughs) No, but the sort of people who are bad for you. Oh, I you know, see. the person who is really bad for you. I mean, who I, leads you astray. Yes, which tends to be quite a thing amongst teenagers. Mm. You know, kids find a friend and they think they're fantastic. And you as the parent look on and you think this is literally the worst person for you to be a friend <laughs> with. Because they can really change the direction of somebody's life, mm. can't they? Well, it's all about your peer group, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we are all needing to question the, me- the sort of men and women and people that we invite yeah. into our own lives and we can be very drawn to very unhealthy specimens can't we and the same can be said for our friendships 100 mm. percent. and we can be drawn to dramatic people or people who are having eternal problems or people that are just very unkind to us and rude and disrespectful and even you know emotionally um, abusive mm. so i think it is really important to recognize that friendship is about enhancing our lives and making us feel good about ourselves and if we have friendships And if we have friends who put us down and we walk away from spending time with them feeling bad about ourselves, feeling drained, feeling exhausted, feeling like we're not actually getting a lot from the relationship, we really need to question Mm. why we are investing time and Mm. energy. Divorce that one then. Divorce that one. Why do you think it is that humans are so, you know, because we are all attracted to the sort of toxic, aren't we? There's a very disruptive part to being human that we all try to pretend that doesn't exist. But, you know, we need to look only at our world today to see how destructive that we are. Mm. But, you know, it also just comes from learned behavior while while we're growing up in our childhood. You know, obviously, you know, when learning and, you know, many of us suffer traumas and we have our attachment wounds from our family, our siblings and our and our sort of young friendships. And that, in a way, imprints in our attachment systems mm what we think we deserve and also what we like and what we should expect mm. from other people. And so we then grow up and go out into the world as as adults and we attract and are attracted to people yeah. that will confirm yeah, it's our... That old, int- it's that old cliche is that you attract the wrong, you know, mm. if you're in the wrong space, you attract the wrong sort of friendship and the wrong sort of person. Yeah, but the idea of sort of pleasurable pain as yeah. well is, is a difficult one. Yeah. One thing I wish you could tell me the answer to is how do I make my children be friends? Because they really hate each other. <laughs> so do I. Why does it siblings hate each other so much? Is that another biological thing? Yes, I'm sure it is. <laughs> it is a biological thing because it's very competitive. But supposedly during our adolescence years, you know, everything is competitive because we're competing for the attention of our parents we're competing for the attention of our peers we're competing to have a sense of belonging so it's a very angsty time but it is also a very even for women it's a very high testosterone time Mm. so we're much more interested in in conflict and drama and we can be much more obstructive we can be very very difficult 
And that does thankfully wane and settle okay. and kind of change. Right. And I think actually sometimes it is the siblings with the stormiest adolescent mm. relationships that actually go on to have the strongest adult relationship. Oh, well, that's encouraging because my mm. children are yeah. just literally taking lumps out of each other. It's, it's like murder on the dance floor it, really? in your house, yes. <laughs> but no, you're right. They are slightly calming down now. Are they? Very slightly. Good. Mm. Well, thank you. I feel we covered all the aspects <laughs> yes, of friendship. Yeah. <laughs> and if people want to go to your Instagram, it's at Sharice Cook, isn't it? Two O's. That's it. K-E. It's very easy to find. I found it and I'm useless on Instagram. Mm. We'll put a link to her account in the show notes. Our next guest is Jane Nelson. She is the CEO of Odd Fellows, a two hundred year old non profit organization. Two hundred years old. I know. Wow. Almost as old as us. Yes. That aims to help people find more friends. Jane joins us now. Gosh, two hundred years. That's a long time. Tell us the history of Odd Fellows. So we formed in eighteen ten and basically were created to help people who needed support in their lives. So in the early eighteen hundreds you had to belong to a trade guild, but you had to be a member of a certain trade. So Oddfellows was really formed to sort of mop up everybody else. So if people were off sick, they needed support because they didn't get paid. If they had health issues, if they unfortunately passed away, then again, the Oddfellows would help them. So members would turn up to a pub, all mm. men in those days, pay some money into the pot. And when they fell on hard times, they'd take some money out of the pot. And oh, it's so really sort of, that simple. Yeah. And where was it based and who started it? It started in Salford. Our first right. meeting was in a pub called the Rope Makers Arms in Salford. Can't remember the date, but it was some date in October 1810. I wasn't there, yeah. but I feel old enough to have been there. <laughs> Presumably these days it's not about a pot behind the bar in a pub. The principle's the same because we've got 100 branches across the UK where all our members are allocated to based on where they live. Mm. And they pay an annual fee and they get support in hard times, but they also get that social interaction, which is so important for everybody. Do they still get financial support? They can do if they need it. Yes, absolutely. Oh, okay. we, we, ha we call it benevolence. So yeah. if somebody falls on hard times or yeah. suddenly has a flood or something, then they can apply for some financial support some to just help. help them through that period of time. Wow. And how many members do you have now? Is it um, growing? or The fraternal membership of our branches is staying steady. Overall, we've got over 400,000 members. Wow. Um, that includes all our insurance members as well. But in terms mm. of active members in branches, then you're talking about 40,000. Mm. But it's still a great number across the mm. country. And how much is it to be a member? £25 a year or £35 a year. Well, exactly, well I can Sarah. send you the forms. <laughs> yeah. uh, the £35 package just gives you some optional dental and optical claim. But the £25, you get all the social events, all the care and welfare, access to benevolence and the rest. And tell me, who are your members? Who do your members tend to be? Tend to be 55 plus. Mm. They tend to be members, people who have maybe looked at early retirement, gone part time, mm. want to do something, want to go and meet some new people, make mm. some new friends. We tend to find that although younger members, we're open to everybody so anybody can join. Mm. We tend to find, I've got two 30-odd-year-old sons who are both married with children and it's all basketball, football, swimming, ballet. Mm. So there's not enough yeah, time. Yeah, so you need a bit of you know, time so on you, your hands. So you need a bit yeah. of time to mm. be able to really get the most out of your membership and, mm. and go along and make those friends that we're mm. so famous for. Mm. So is it you who's launched Friendship Month then? Yeah, we started it back in 2010, which was our bicentenary year. So we decided September was going to be a dedicated month to friendship and we've just continued it ever since and it's just grown and grown. And it's a month that we focus on just reminding everybody 
how important friendship is to everybody. Mm. We all need friends through the good times and the bad. So mm. anybody who hasn't got any, it's they need to know that there's organisations out there like ours that will help develop those relationships. And do you find that a lot of people come to you because they are lonely? In a number of cases, yeah. Sometimes it's a life event that's triggered it. So maybe yeah. they've moved into a different location. They might have moved to be near their children or something, but actually they need friends of their own age. So there's different yeah. reasons that trigger it, but it tends to be people who are looking for some more social life than what they've got already and the opportunity to meet new friends. Yeah. And do you find that a lot of your members sort of meet out outside of your organisation? Do they do they develop proper long-term relationships? Yeah, they do. There's lots and lots of instances I could quote you, but people frequently who meet up then either go on holiday together. They do something within the Odd Fellows in terms of the events that we put mm. on, but actually they also might meet up for coffee or they'll go mm. on holiday together. So those friendships aren't just, oh, well, we'll meet just every time we have an Odd Fellows event. The friendship's carrying outside, which is really, really good and what people need. And what sort of events do you have? I mean, because I think lots of people are quite fundamentally quite shy. Yeah, difficult to just So if up. you're just turning up, I mean, I imagine if I came on my own to an event, I'd probably stick with my back to the wall for most of it. <laughs> you wouldn't because... <laughs> I wouldn't be allowed ed, ed, to. You wouldn't be allowed to. <laughs> yeah, every, yeah. every event that we hold, somebody is looking out for new people who they haven't seen before. Do you have friend, friendship ambassadors that wander <laughs> Basically, around? Yeah, buddies, whatever you want yeah, to call them. Yeah. But, you know, just somebody to look out for the people they haven't seen before and go along and say, oh, welcome, who are you, what's your name, let me come and introduce you to people. In terms of the events, we've actually got 250 specific Friendship Month events, which are there for tasters. That's online and face-to-face. -face. Mm. So those are events that people can just come along and give us a try. They will be welcomed. They'll be introduced to people and hopefully start making new friends. And those 250 events are on top of all the other September events mm. we've got as well. So it's a really good opportunity to just focus on what's important. Did you find that lockdown had an effect on the way yes. you operated? Were you particularly sort of active, useful... It threw a change at us like it did everybody else. Mm. Um, but you might have guessed I'm very passionate about this organisation mm. and we just adapted so quickly. Mm. So obviously with effect from the end of March 2020, all our face-to-face -face events had to be cancelled. We switched to online events and at the height we were doing 500 online events a month mm. and people have then developed geographical friendships so rather than just meeting the friends in their own area we've got people who virtually met mm. maybe lived 200 miles apart and then when obviously COVID was over and they might have got the opportunity to actually mm. see them for the first time it was it was quite emotional yeah, so yes yeah, do you have a lot of romances out of your friendships oh, we Sarah, have that's a forward. is it like <laughs> a bit we forward had, we definitely have yeah absolutely there's there's a number of instances I can recall to memory where She's um, like Scylla Black, basically. Yeah. <laughs> you are basically Scylla Black. Without, yeah. yeah, and it's, you know, friendships form and sometimes those friendships become romances. Yeah. So, yes, it's not unusual at all. Do you think there's an art to making friends? Do you think there's a, a sort of, you know, a way of to be able to make friends? Because some people are good at it and some yeah. people are yeah. terrible. I think it's about giving people some confidence, isn't it, and making them welcome in a nice environment. I think the older we get, the harder it is to make friends. It was easy in the playground, wasn't it? You go up mm. to somebody and, will you be my friend? You don't tend to say that when you're 57, do you? So it's know. a bit more reticent. <laughs> but yeah, so I think it's about, you're not forcing friendships, but you're introducing people to a, mm. a circle of people who 
hopefully some friendships will then form, which will then be lasting friendships, which is really important. But also I think a lot of people have a lot of social anxiety, don't they? And they find it very difficult to sort of strike up. And it's quite hard these days. You can't just really go to a bar and start talking no. to somebody. because also the rules call, of the They'll probably call the police on you yeah, if you're we, trying to do yes. that. Yeah, that's so true. It's that's quite hard true, to yeah. know where you start if yeah. you don't know anyone. I mean, it's You can't just say nice frock. No, you can't because no. you have to... Apply you might, first. Yes. You might get, yeah. <laughs> I just so, sign a little yeah. disclaimer before yeah. you stop talking it, to somebody. And, it, and also the places where people perhaps used to make friends, like pubs and things, are all kind of closing down and yeah. stuff. So there's not a lot of forums for sort of spontaneous friendship. So quite useful to have a kind of guiding hand, I suppose. I mean, I don't know what I would do if I was suddenly pitched up somewhere and didn't know anyone and had to make friends. You're supposed to hang out in the aisles of the supermarket. Is that right? Is apparently. What do you uh, think about ne- that as an ne- idea? Ne- <laughs> next to any particular aisle, maybe the alcohol aisle, maybe. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, or apparently, so apparently the ready meal aisle yeah. is okay. the place to... Is it? The place yes, to well, be. Yes, where you can pick up other okay. singles. Okay. I find people tend to be quite friendly in Marks and Spencers, but oh, really? maybe that's just their demographic. <laughs> Over the underwear. So sort of middle-aged <laughs> ladies looking at large bosom-minimising bras. And you can bond over that. It's very it, hard to know where to go, isn't exactly, it? Well, I mean, a lot of people go to the church, don't they? Uh, yep. But if you're not particularly religious, mm. then, then that's difficult. But it sounds like your organisation is not particularly religious. At We're all. not it's religious not, at all, no. No. or political. Good. No. See, that's so good. Literally open. And I, th- and I think you do, you know, like you say, the, the places that you traditionally went to meet people, pubs are closing. Mm. So... Actually, friendship groups like ours, just being there to mm. offer that wider environment, mm. I think is just what people need to do. And you mentioned yeah, I mean, COVID work. and even through that, people really still joined because they were still getting that social interaction, yeah. even though it was via a screen, which was yeah. really important to them. Yeah, I think people used to make, I mean, people often make friends through work, mm. don't they? I mean, most yep. of my friends are through work. Yes. But I mean, I guess then people didn't really go to work during lockdown so no I think it's also very hard for anyone under the age of 30 because they haven't they have it's very difficult to you know find somewhere to live and commute to the office Mm. and 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 they probably don't have an office so you end up working in your bedroom yeah which I think is quite depressing and that could be a challenge for the generations to come if they're Mm. actually working from home then you haven't got that work colleague very solid friendships can't even flirt with a man in Cafe Nero no No, we well, can't do that now anyway, to be honest. Oh, you're my daughter does every day. She? Yeah, I can't because all the ladies across, all the cafeteria across the road are all ladies, so it's no point. Oh. Well, they know well, what my drink is when I turn up in a morning. Good, so that's good, good, Jane. That's I'm good. a regular. Well, Jane, I love that your organisation yes, still exists. I great. also love that it's called Odd Fellows and yes. not Odd Persons. Yes. Have you have you been under pressure to... O- to odd bods. Uh, to, uh, there, was, to... there was some pressure when we were going through some strategic review back in the 90s. And we did a lot of research and actually people associated the name with, I've heard of them and they help people. Mm. So oh. actually we thought, no reason to change it then. It's a bit we like Goodfellas, only without the, yes, the, exactly. without without the menaces and the horses' <laughs> yeah. heads. <Yeah. laughs> Definitely don't have any of those. <laughs> I mean, you know, thank you very much, Jane. It was lovely talking to you. And so September is mm. Friendship Month. And if people want to get in touch with you, they can go to the website, which we will put the details of in the show notes. Fantastic. Thanks for listening this week. If you enjoyed the show, try some of our other episodes available wherever you got this one. And if you'd like to get in touch, you can tweet me at Westminster Wag. You have been listening to the Female Half Hour with me, Sarah Vine and Imogen Edwards-Jones. Thank you for listening. Thank you.